I think there was a lot of misinformation because when we first started talking about constitutional carry, anyone can carry a weapon, people immediately, I think, had in their head that people are carrying weapons in, in a threatening way. And of course, there may be some folks who feel like an openly carried gun in a holster is threatening, but by and large, that's not. It's a holstered weapon. Um, the idea that you can wave an unholstered gun around is incorrect. In fact, most people call that brandishing, even though that's not what the penal code actually says. But that is still a criminal violation. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. On September 1st of 2021, Texas handgun laws changed significantly, making it legal for most people over the age of 21 to carry a handgun in a holster without a license to carry. The change in this law alarmed some Texas employers, many of whom turned to today's guest for guidance. VNA Braun is an attorney and heads the Labor and Employment Law Group for Decker Jones PC, based here in Fort Worth. I usually don't dive deep into my guest bios, but I thought this was a fun fact to mention. At the time of her graduation at age 19, VNA was the youngest ever female graduate of Princeton University. In other words, she's really smart. Welcome to Good Morning HR, VNA. Thank you for the kind welcome, Mike. And obviously, I've been living off that particular credential for a very long time. Uh, this was actually my 30th year of law practice, so uh, that goes back back a ways, but thank you for that. Well, so let's, this, there was a lot of discussion and concern when, they, when this law was first passed, and you and I were on a panel together about it for the Fort Worth Chamber uh, just a few weeks before it was enacted. But Let's, what was the law before? Let's set that stage. What was the law before these changes? Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to kind of jump back even further because I actually do feel like gun laws in Texas have been evolving pretty much throughout my entire legal career. I graduated from UT Law back in 1991, and even back that long ago, there were discussions about having some kind of, you know, more flexible gun laws in Texas. But at that time, believe it or not, uh, we actually had a Democrat in the governor's office. That was quite some time ago. And uh, Ann Richards, as governor, had made it fairly clear that even though there were constituencies in the Texas legislature that wanted to pass some kind of gun law, and the focus at that time was on concealed carry, that she was going to veto that legislation, and it just wasn't going to go anywhere. Well, then when George W. Bush became governor, his attitude was different from Governor Richards, and he had made it clear to that constituency that he would sign concealed carry legislation into law. And concealed carry legislation got passed way back in 1995, and I was a very young lawyer practicing at Bracewell and Patterson in downtown Houston and uh, mainly representing school districts at the time. 
And I remember that there was a great deal of anxiety over that concealed carry legislation. The sense was that we were returning to the Wild West. There would be blood running down the streets and shootouts and, you know, all, all kinds of things. And the law passed, got signed by the governor, and basically nothing happened. And so that somewhat informs my perspective today because that seems to have been the pattern in Texas where there's a law marching through the legislature, people are very, very anxious about it, and it passes, and really then there there isn't this huge impact. And, and none of that is to take away from the fact that we have a, a gun violence problem in this country, but most of that, of course, is from people who are breaking the law and really you know, conscientious gun owners, especially those who get their license and were carrying under the 1995 law, they weren't causing any problem at all. So that was the, the big piece of legislation that passed quite some time ago. More recently, we've had legislation that allowed licensed handgun owners to make sure that you know, they had the right to have ammunition and their own gun in their own vehicle, even if they were on their employer's premises and the employer prohibited guns in the workplace. So that was a little bit of an evolution. And then we had open carry more recently and campus carry. And all of those things, I think, led up to the most recent law. Uh, I guess the only thing that gives me concern about the 2021 legislation is that now you don't have to be a license holder to carry a handgun and you're taking away that educational component. That is somewhat mitigated by the fact that the Department of Public Safety published a gun safety course that is free of charge that was part of the compromise when this law was being considered. But of course, not everyone's going to take that course. So that is, I think, a little unfortunate that now you're going to have folks carrying handguns that frankly are just, in my view, more likely to make mistakes, more likely to carry into a place that is prohibited because the law continues to prohibit carrying guns in certain places. Bars with 51% of their revenue from alcohol sales, hospitals, uh, airports, various other places. So I know I've gone on for a bit, Mike, but but that's the basics. Yeah. And, and so basically now in Texas, if you if you don't have a criminal offense that prohibits you from carrying, uh, I think there's maybe something related to domestic violence in there as well. Um, but beyond that, if you're over 20, if you're 21 or older, uh, you can carry openly or, um, you know, concealed. And since the law passed there and what was enacted on September 1st, I just like before, I never see anybody carrying openly. You don't have any way of knowing if they're carrying in their purse or, you know, and, uh, and one thing I will say though, is as somebody who was, uh, once uh, a, a license to carry uh, permit holder in Texas um, for a number of years until they changed the law and you could carry in your car with uh, without a license. Uh, I'm not sure that I learned that much from the gun safety class. The classes I took to, to get that that permit, uh, the uh, the other gun safety class I took, uh, the, you know, uh, through NRA was, uh, I think, a lot better class. But the stuff that just meets the minimums that the state required probably weren't uh, weren't keeping idiots from being idiots. And so that's always that's, risky. 
but we had very few of them because most of those people wouldn't fool with getting a permit anyway. Yeah, that's um, an interesting point because I, yeah. I did not take the license to carry yeah. courses. So I guess I was giving them the benefit of the doubt that they didn't deserve. Yeah, well, uh, it's and and I'm sure I'll hear from someone who who is the HR person for one of those gun ranges, but uh, we'll see. <laughs> so the current law is pretty easy, and you mentioned parking lots. Okay, so if I'm an employer and uh, you know really just don't want uh, anyone carrying uh, on my property at all. There's a carve out in the law still uh, for for gun owners related to employers parking lots. We explain that. Yes, and that is uh, specific to the employee's privately owned locked vehicle, and you can have a firearm and ammunition in your privately owned locked vehicle. So not. The company car, if it's the company car, the company gets to set the rules and it still does not change the company's right. It is, like you said, Mike, a a narrow carve out. The company still can post the appropriate signs, which I'm sure we're going to get into, and uh, say that, hey, you're not going to actually enter our buildings while you're carrying a weapon. And so that is an important point even though the laws are, are getting increasingly flexible for you know carrying a handgun out and about, employers and property owners, the new law really doesn't change their rights at all. So a property owner or an employer can post signs, can set policy with those very few carve-outs like you mentioned. And so, yeah, let's talk about signage because we kind of have three, three kinds of signs now that employers have to be concerned with. Yes. And it's interesting that um, for the concealed carry, I guess that set the template, uh, the 30.06 sign. If I'm an employer and I want to prohibit license holders from carrying on my premises, I have to have the exact language that is in Texas Penal Code 30.06. And it actually sets the the size of the letters, you know, the right. inch high letters. So these, and most of us have seen them, they're very large, obtrusive signs. And then when open carry passed, then there was an equivalent sign that, you know, with the exact language that you would need uh, to post. But those apply to license holders. And now with the 2021 law, um, even though I, I think there are some suggested signs, basically, if you want to prohibit non-license holders from carrying on your premises, pretty much any, you know, easily visible no gun sign will work. Even just a gun busters, you know, a gun with the red circle and the slash, that's enough. And so, but the the 30.06 and 30.07, I think, uh, signs don't apply to non-license holders. Is that right? Well, I, I find that murky. I mean, me personally, I think, okay, if there, if there are these big signs saying license holders can't carry by implication, I would have thought that non-license holders, but yes, what I'm advising is that if in an abundance of caution, you know, you want to make sure that nobody's carrying on your premises, that it doesn't take much to go ahead and put up then a simple gunbuster sign as well. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative, premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved 
for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 27 and enter the keyword pew pew. That's P-E-W, P-E-W, no spaces. I'm serious. On January 27th, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled How to Legally and Meaningfully Discuss Criminal History with Applicants. This free webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of general recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for the free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this podcast after January 27th, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit for free. And now back to my conversation with VNA Braun. And we'll talk about what the you know the results have been from this change in the law. But what what kind of concerns have you been hearing from employers, or when when you talk when this came when this topic came up, or did did it even hit most employers' radar? Well, it did, but I think. And of course, it's a whole separate discussion to talk about, you know, how how the media ramps things up um, in in this day and age. I think there was a lot of misinformation because when we first started talking about constitutional carry, anyone can carry a weapon, people immediately, I think, had in their head that people are carrying weapons in, in a threatening way. And of course, there may be some folks who feel like an openly carried gun in a holster is threatening, but by and large, that's not. It's a holstered weapon. Um, The idea that you can wave an unholstered gun around is incorrect. In fact, most people call that brandishing, even though that's not what the penal code actually says. But that is still a criminal violation. If you are to unholster a handgun, wave it around or, or do anything with it, frankly, outside of the holster in a manner that would alarm the average person, that is a criminal violation. And you will likely get arrested. So the idea that folks were going to be able to wave their weapons and threaten folks, that's simply incorrect. Um, So there was that misconception. I can't say that I had a whole huge wave of employers calling about the constitutional carry. I feel like there was much more anxiety back in 95 over the concealed carry legislation. Um, And of course, some folks did want to look again at their weapons policies or look again at their signage. But at least among my clients, I didn't get a sense of a lot of anxiety. What does the general weapons policy look like for most employers now? That's an interesting question. Uh, Of course, for me, I'm, I'm fortunate. I represent a very, very wide range of employers, um, and some of whom actually are on the list where they already are, are on the prohibited list. So I represent a number of hospitals that is a prohibited location and you can't carry your gun. I will say that most of my hospital systems still do put the signage out just to give people fair warning. But, you know, there unless you're an actual licensed peace officer that's been hired by the hospital, you know, leave, leave your gun in the car in the parking lot. Um, but I also represent, you know, oil and gas service companies or manufacturing companies, some of which, especially in the more rural areas, really wanted to encourage folks uh, to go ahead and get their license and concealed carry. I don't know that personally I'm comfortable with an employer encouraging someone to carry without a license. I would think the best practice would be if you're an employer and you actually think it's a good thing, 
Uh, maybe you've got sales folks who are traveling a great deal. I would think the, the best practice would be to encourage people to actually get their license so they are actually a licensed holder and not just taking advantage of the new law. And there is some, I can't remember the details, but I think there is some advantage to continuing to carry, uh, to, to maintain a license. That yes. process is still in place, right? So. Yes, absolutely. The license process is in place and there are a number of nuances. Um, for example, like let's say someone's actually in the military and they're not yet 21. You can hmm. be, I think, 18 and up. You can get your license. So there's a nuance there. Uh, there's one rather, you know, concerning nuance where, you know, if you're used to carrying a handgun around, uh, it's certainly not entirely unlikely that someone might have a handgun, let's say, in their carry-on bag and they try to go through the airport metal detector. If you're a license holder, actually they're entitled to the benefit of the doubt and that's not a criminal violation, it's technically a felony if you're just a non-license holder and there it is in your carry-on bag. There are a number of little nuances like that. So really, yeah, carrying as a license holder is still preferable. Still smarter if you're going to, if you're going to run around with a gun on your person. Yeah. Um, any, any differences in liability or any concerns or employers particularly even concerned? What, what kind of things would create a liability for an employer with a handgun? Well, it's that is a really good and interesting question. And I think it's been more academic thus far. I I will say that some of my clients who are more on the, uh, you know, the the giving their annual big donations to the NRA, that contingency uh, are of the opinion that employers who do not have to prohibit handguns. So not a hospital. You're, you're in this middle zone where you get to do whatever you want. There is certainly a contingency that thinks that, okay, if you have policies saying no weapons in the workplace and all your employees are compliant, and then the crazed ex-boyfriend of your receptionist comes in, of course, unlawfully shooting at people, that you've actually put your employees at risk. To my knowledge, there has been no test lawsuit along those lines, but there is certainly a contingency that that that's their belief, that they feel like, okay, in Texas, because now folks can carry a weapon, why would you leave your employees basically, you know, unprotected? I think that's a really interesting debate. And I think, you know, it's a huge, it depends. Um, I can see where, for example, you know, if you employ someone as the check-in clerk for uh, an inexpensive motel along an interstate, maybe you want that person to have a handgun. But if you're, you know, in a different circumstance, uh, you know, I can't think of a good example, but I think there's going to be a continuum of where you might really want your employees protected versus where you really might want to say, no, we, we don't have weapons. And then, of course, you and I were on that panel. One of the panelists was an HR director for a company that is owned out of Canada, and her management were just appalled at the new Texas law. They were completely shocked and immediately said, no, we want this particular company to go to the maximum in prohibiting weapons because that's their culture. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I... Uh 
I think it's always interesting when you get somebody from Canada or the EU, someplace like that, who under, who understands, finds, figures out what the gun culture in the U.S. is, and and they're kind of shocked that you know there's so little crime from people who are legally carrying and and and, and wielding handguns. Uh, but uh, you know, and there was there were claims that there was going to be carnage in the streets, like you said, as soon as this happens, but. The fact is, is it's still it's still illegal to do anything illegal with a handgun, and so yeah. those are the things that. Um, and so, let's say if if we let our employees carry in the workplace, and let's say there's a misfire, uh, and somebody you know somebody accidentally uh, injures or forbid uh, you know kills somebody, is the employer's liability any any stronger because they allowed people to carry? Or is that, again, a thing we'll have to see what the, what the courts say? You'd kind of have to see what the courts say. And that that type of hypothetical, you know, has several strands to it because, um, you know, and, and of course, to my knowledge, misfires are incredibly uncommon too, right? Especially yeah. if, if a gun was, let's say, in a holster on right. someone's person. But, you know, if the hypothetical were that someone had a holstered handgun and they're actually, I don't know, carrying something in the course and scope of their employment, and they slip and fall, and somehow the gun goes off, that raises workers' compensation issue. Uh-huh. But if it's horseplay, that's an exception to workers' compensation. So again, it's it's a big, it depends. Um, and, and so it is important, you know, if an employer is aware that people are carrying in the workplace, I think that would be an appropriate topic to just, you know, from time to time emphasize gun safety um, because it is, it's an important issue. And I think most conscientious gun owners, you know, are very cognizant of that. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, so few people in Texas take public transportation. We all drive our own cars. So it's probably less of an issue than in other places, but under the new law, let's say I'm, I'm carrying in a holster. And I get to my desk and I take it out and I lock it in my desk drawer. Is that legit? Can I do that? Uh, or do I have to keep it on my person when I'm? I think you can it? lock it in okay. your desk drawer. Um, so it's just so it's just so I can carry it in, put it in the desk drawer, and lock it. Or if I was an employer, and I I, I could even say you've got to you've got to lock it away. Uh, you know, if yeah. you're going to carry in or so. And especially you know, you've got people who work late shifts, walk in the empty parking lots at night and things like that. And and I guess there'd be times employers may want that. Uh, we are recording this in late 2020, and but it, the podcast isn't going to drop till 2021. So I'm pulling the curtains back a little bit for everybody to see how, you know, how efficient and well, well organized I am that I'm doing this in advance. Um, but I actually think you're a, a year behind, right? We're in 2021 going. Oh, yeah. Into oh, yeah, I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing. See, I, if it's got numbers attached, I am usually not any good at it. So, but so far we haven't had any incidents and uh, is so, you know, so far we're, we're in pretty good shape. Yes. I found that very interesting because of course, to prepare for this podcast, I was, you know, reminding myself of what the various standards were and thought, well, yeah, I'm just going to do a few Google searches of, you know, Texas constitutional carry 2021 effects or latest news. And that was instructive because all of the items that pulled up were in the run up to the law becoming effective when people were just talking about it. And there 
has been nothing in the last 90 days that I could find. So there wasn't, you know, like some survey about like, oh, it's caused all these changes or there was this terrible incident. I personally didn't find anything. Well, and that's that's good news. Yes. So, and well, and that's perfect because that's all the time we have. So we're going to end it on good news. Thanks for joining me today, VNA. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcast. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer, and I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week, and until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up. <laughs>